You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. to our 141st program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation dedicated to social change since 1997. I'm Jennifer Burrell, your host today. Jacques isn't with us for this program, but we do have Kate Colvin from the Everybody's Home campaign to talk about the situation of housing and homelessness in Australia. So we've been hearing a lot about homelessness and housing stress in the news lately. Apparently, Melbourne and Sydney are in the top five least affordable cities in the world, which is incredible. That's according to the latest data from the Demographics International Housing Affordability 2022 edition, which may not surprise a lot of people living in Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, We also have learnt this week that the cost of a house in Australia rose by an astonishing 24% in the 12 months up to last December. That's according to ABS data. That's a rise of, I'll say that again, 24% in a year. Along with other rising costs of living like petrol, this could push more people into homelessness. Emma Dawson from Per Capita wrote about this in The Age on the 17th of March. To quote her, where the sharp increases in cost of living will hurt, sorry, I'll start that again, where the sharp increases in cost of living will hurt is at the bottom end of the housing market. Those in private rentals, some of which may be still hoping to buy their own home, unquote. And of course, The problem with housing affordability isn't limited to the capital cities. While Emma Dawson talks about the extra stresses and dangers for people living on urban fringes as well as closer to the city, we've also seen in the news that house prices in regional areas of Victoria have exploded with a lot of people leaving the cities, especially since COVID. In quite a few regional areas, house prices have risen above 70% over the last five years. And in the surf coast past Geelong, it's about 100%. Then, of course, recently we've had the huge floods in New South Wales and Queensland and all the people becoming homeless as a result, which, of course, we did touch on in the last program about displacement. So that's some of the pretty devastating context And what a good time to be speaking with Kate Colvin from the Everybody's Home campaign. So, Kate, can you tell us a bit about the Everybody's Home campaign? What is it and what's its purpose? What led to it starting in the first place? And and who's involved? 
Thanks, Jen. Well, look, the Everybody's Home campaign was created to really start to put pressure on government to change the housing crisis and their housing policies that have led to the housing crisis. And it was it was set up in 2018. And, and really what it was about was, you know, there'd been a really long conversation with government, a really sort of behind-the-scenes policy conversation, but there hadn't been a campaign that had sought to get the public on board. So that's what uh, Everybody's Home aims to do is to create, um, a, you know, public groundswell of um, um, pressure on the government to really deal with this problem about housing affordability because, you know, uh, government after government, I think they're not really hearing how this is hurting people in the community mm-hmm. and they're not reacting. And so, you know, when we want big policy changes, we really need to have um, big responses from the public, and we need to change the public debate. So that's what everybody home, everybody's home was set up to do, and we've you know really grown since the campaign started. So now I have thirty eight thousand um, supporters to the campaign. Wow, thirty eight thousand. That's incredible. So, how would you describe the situation of housing and homelessness in Australia? At, um, now, uh, is it getting better or worse than when the campaign first started four years ago? Look, it's absolutely getting worse. I mean, over the past year alone, we've got rents have gone up 9.4%. They've gone up 12.1% in regional areas. And mm-hmm. um, those are, you know, massive increases. I mean, people's wages haven't gone up and let alone if you're on social security benefits, you know, they certainly haven't gone up. So, People just can't keep up with the rent. And there's either there's two things that happen in that scenario. People either get squeezed out of the rental market and then they, you know, they're homeless because they just absolutely can't find a property that they can afford to rent. Mm. Or they end up paying much more than they can afford to rent a property. So, you know, at the moment, 46% of people who are who get Commonwealth rent assistance, even after getting Commonwealth rent assistance, they're paying more than 30% of their income in rent. And that's increased from 40% in 2019. So it's Mm. this problem, it's it's partly about the availability of rentals. Mm. Um, There's just not enough affordable rentals out there in the market. But it's also partly about people's incomes. So Mm. if we look back in 2020, when people who are on social security benefits were getting the coronavirus supplement, which basically doubled JobSeeker, then at that time, only 29% of people who got Commonwealth rent assistance were paying more than 30% of their income in rent. So, um, you know, that's um, increased now, as I was saying, to 46% of people are paying Mm. more than 30% of their income in rent. So, you know, having more income does make housing more affordable of course if you've got more money in your pocket you know you're you're spending less of it on rent but it's it's also about there being more affordable rentals out there um, and there certainly isn't enough of those. Mm, So it's income and housing supply and I understand Kate you're talking about paying more than 30 percent of your income on rent because if you're on a low income that's an indicator of housing stress is that right? Well, look, absolutely. And if people pay more than 30% of their income on rent and they're on a low income, then they don't have money left over for all of the other things. And so that has really 
practical consequences for people. I mean, the most common is, you know, people go to the supermarket and they 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 try and buy all the items that they need for a week and they just can't afford all of those things. They have to make mm. some really tough choices, mm. you know, um, you know, the thing is that healthy food is often more expensive than, you know, something that's just sort of cheap and, and starchy, you know, like baked mm. beans or something, you know. But yeah. if you don't have enough money, then then you have to make those cheapest food choices mm. and, um, and, and then also make other really tough choices like maybe, you know, you, you, you can't afford the dentist, maybe you can't afford... Um, to fill that prescription when when you need to go to the doctor yeah. or, um, you know, I, and I think people get up into a situation too when they don't have enough income where they get um, have impossible choices. So mm. perhaps, you know, your car breaks down, you need that car to get to work, mm. but if you don't have enough money to repair the car, then you, you can't get to work. So which one do you choose? Do you, do you repair the car so that you can get to work or do you pay the rent, um, you know, so that yeah. you can keep your housing? And either way, you're going to lose your housing because if you can't work, you won't be able to afford the housing on job seekers. So, yeah. um, you know, I just uh, I think I think government doesn't appreciate how impossible it, it makes people's lives yeah. to not have enough money. Well, I think a lot of MPs are becoming more aware, thankfully, um, um, because of your campaign and becoming, I think, becoming more mainstream. So I was wondering, Kate, or homelessness and housing stress, a lot more people are aware of it. So uh, what I want to ask, does the housing situation affect everyone equally, do you think, or who's most impacted by the high cost of housing? Okay, so one of the things that I think that's interesting about the housing market is that it's a competition. So when people turn up to a rental inspection, um, and you know, and, and at the cheaper properties, you'll have 20, 30, I mean, in some locations, you'll have 70 or 80 households trying to rent that property, then the landlord can pick the, prop, the, the prospective tenant who they most prefer. So there's a number of things that they'll take into account in that situation. One of them is income and they'll pick, you know, the highest income tenant usually that they have um, um, trying to get the property. But it, that's also where discrimination comes into play. So um, and, and the, the group that's worst, you know, comes off the worst in that scenario is Aboriginal community. So, mm. you know, often get discriminated against by um, landlords and, um, you know, even where they do have that income to pay for that housing, the landlord will um, often just choose someone else. And so, you know, what we, what the sort of practical consequence of that is much higher rates of homelessness for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander yeah. Australians. Yeah. So, you know, they're only 3% of the Australian population, but they're 26% of people using homelessness services. And that's, and that's totally unacceptable. And especially I'm mindful on the day of recording this, the 17th of March, that it's the National Close the, Close the Gap Day. That's today. And one of the outcomes in the national agreement on closing the gap is that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people have appropriate, affordable housing aligned with their needs and priorities. So that's not happening, is it? No, absolutely not. And that's another um, way that social housing can make a difference because, of mm. course, 
access to social housing is, is more determined by wait lists, you know, who's mm. who's next in line for the property rather than, you know, a landlord just deciding which tenant they like best. But um, it's, it's I, you know, I guess one of the things about homelessness is that it's partly about the housing market, but it's also um, homelessness really sort of shows up a lot of the other um you know, disadvantage and structural issues in our community. So who's mm. most likely to be living in poverty? Um, who's, you know, discriminated against in the employment market? Who's most mm. likely to be on low wages? Well, they're most vulnerable to, um, you know, not being able to get housing that they can afford or to mm. missing out and becoming homeless. And yeah. um, so, you know, that's, I guess that's where um, all of the many reasons why... <laughs> Uh, homelessness is, is more of, you know, is overrepresented among um, the Aboriginal community. Yeah, and I suppose that's a pretty good description of how all the different types of disadvantage intersect and compound each other. But on that note, we will go to a music break. Uh, we'll go to Sugar Aru by Marty Hollebeck.
accent of women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accent of women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the How the can country. people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent of women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. On Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today I'm talking with Kate Colvin from the Everybody's Home campaign and we're talking about housing stress and homelessness in Australia. So, Kate, there's been a lot of attention on the situation of women in recent times. We've, of course, we've had the Me Too movement and the elevation of Grace Tame as Australian of the Year, but there's also been a lot of publicity about systemic discrimination against women, leading to them being a lot worse off financially over their lifetime. So uh, can you tell us a bit about why older women in particular are the fastest growing group of homeless people? So look, that's about a couple of reasons and, and it's it's partly about um, women having lower incomes as they, uh, you know, when they retire um, because of all of the, um, you know, sort of many forms of discrimination. And women are more likely to be in low-paid work. They're more likely to take time out for um, care and so they're going to have lower incomes when they retire. But it's also because the cost of housing has increased and so people are buying a home later in life and then they're often retiring, still owing lots of money on that property if they've been able to buy one. And if they haven't been able to buy a property, then they're in the rental market and, and you know, it's not possible to afford a rental, particularly if you're a single person on the age pension. So um, that's really driving you know, more and more women get to over 55 and then they're on a really low income and they can't afford housing. But I guess one of the things I just wanted to mention about women is that actually women over 55, they are the fastest growing group of people experiencing homelessness, but they are also only still a small percentage. So only 5% of all people experiencing homelessness in a year are over 55 Mm. Um, actually, it's women aged 18 to 44, so in those mm. um, childbearing years, are 34% of people experiencing homelessness. Okay. And what, what that's about is the combination of um, poverty, of having a low income, and also domestic and family violence. So that, for women, is the biggest driver of homelessness. Mm. Uh, so thanks for bringing that to our attention too. Uh, it's quite shocking to think. I think I saw some figures recently that there's about 9,000 women who are staying in dangerous family violence situations because they have nowhere to go and there's a similar number, 8,000 and something, who um, who are homeless because of leaving situations of homeless or, um, situations of family violence. So it's, it's pretty shocking. They're pretty uh, shocking numbers. But um, I'm conscious that we're getting coming to the end of our um, time and there were a couple of other things I wanted to ask you, Kate. Uh, with COVID and lockdowns over the last two years, the community really seems to have become more understanding or aware of the importance of, a, of having a home. 
And I, I guess the idea that homelessness can almost happen to anyone. And during COVID, we saw governments decide they could really do what's needed to get everyone off the streets, for example. And so do you think that uh, the apparent political sh- um, the shift in political will, do you think it will have a long-term impact or will we just go back to business as usual? Look, it's already had an impact because, for example, in Victoria, it was, you know, the um, COVID that really, I think, encouraged the government to to invest $5.3 billion in the big housing bill. So we're already seeing um, a positive impact of that in in Mm. terms of all of those properties uh, being built and coming online for people to to live in. Um, But I think um, it also has helped change public opinion. So everybody's home did some polling in marginal seats recently, which included the seat of Flinders, which of course is, you know, here in Victoria on the Mornington Peninsula. Mm, and, and a that marginal polling, seat. Mm. Yes, it is. It is a marginal seat. And that polling revealed that 77% of people who were polled thought it was hard or very hard for a person on a low to middle income to, to buy or, or rent a home. And um, 61% of people believe the federal government has not done enough to address housing affordability. Mm. And, and look, when asked about what policy solutions people, um, you know, thought were, were the best to, to address the problems, people did identify social housing investment as the number one priority. So mm. I think, you know, what we're seeing is that there is an appetite in the community for people to um, be well housed and for government to take responsibility for making sure that that happens. What I don't see yet, and particularly from the federal government, is that they have the appetite to hear what the community is saying. Mm, that's a that's quite interesting, Kate, because that's a that's there's definitely a trend. I think that people are expecting governments to do more with our collective wealth and our collective taxes to support the population. But uh, there does seem to be, I've observed a bit of a shift away from the neoliberal trend of the last few decades of expecting the market to solve all the problems. So the people are shifting away from that. And from what you're saying, you think the federal government's a bit lagging a bit behind Uh, Look, absolutely the federal government are lagging behind. You know, their investment in social and Indigenous housing has been falling over time um, where we need it to be increasing. And, um, you know, they do, um, when asked, say that this is a state responsibility, but that's actually just completely not true. It's always Mm -hmm. been a shared responsibility. So um, hopefully, um, you know, the pressure from the public, you know, through the Everybody's Home campaign and through you know, other kind of campaigns as well will really um, get the federal government to hear that this is something they need to be taking action on. Yeah, or the independents will and they better watch out. (laughs) So, or other parties. So, Kate, it's clear from what there are some pretty big problems to solve, uh, which we've touched on, certainly touched on. Um, Can you tell us what listeners can do? Look, we're um, always um, keen to have more people kind of join the campaign and build that momentum for the government to change. And so if you go to the website, which is everybodyshome.com.au and look at the Take Action 
button, we've got an action at the moment which is about emailing the treasurer, Josh Feitenberg, and telling him we want him to invest in social housing in this year's budget. So the budget's coming up um, at the end of this month on March 29. He really needs to hear from as many people as possible that social housing is what people want him to do because I guess there's a lot of priorities for the federal government but you know, there's nothing really more important to everyone's life than having a home and so many people are missing out. So, you know, mm. I guess we, we think that this is really the top priority for the government. Yeah, and it's true. Everybody needs a home. And it's not just that it's a human right, that it's just something we all need. It's for most of us, we need a home and it's not just an investment property. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, thanks so much. Kate Colvin for coming on the program today and telling us about uh, that a bit more about the housing and homelessness situation in Australia and importantly the Everybody's Home campaign and how we can support it and I will put information about that on our Think Again program page and it has been very enlightening and I think inspiring to have you on the program and I want to thank you Kate because you've been plugging away at this for a, a few years and sometimes I think everyone can take heart, all activists can take heart, that sometimes a campaign finds its moment in history. And I do have a feeling about this one, that we are going to find our moment in history this year and get substantial commitments to more social housing. So um, on to our community, other community announcements. Remember the annual general meeting of the Borderlands Cooperative is on Friday the 18th of March from 5pm to 7pm. The address is 30A Pickett Street Footscray. That's 30A, A the letter, P-I-C-K-E-T-T Street Footscray. Everyone is welcome. If you want to join virtually, you can. Maybe contact Borderlands for the link by phoning 9819-3239. So that's a Melbourne number, 03 is the prefix, 9819-3239. Or send an email, but you better do that quickly if you're going to do that. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio today. If you want to contact us, you can email Borderlands that's borders at borderlands.org.au. Also remember, our programs are available by podcast wherever you get your podcasts and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to our sisters and brothers in prison. To bring us into this program, we have Milk Umana by King Stingray. Yeah,